today's episode, we have Jake Donaldson with us. He's just moved to Texas from Louisiana, and he's going to go over a little bit of the differences with that and turkey hunting and everything. So how you doing, Jake? Oh, we can't complain, buddy. Living a dream, I guess, what some people say. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, working hard to make a paycheck, but still at the same time trying to enjoy life the best you can, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what, um, we, uh... Got it. This time it's up and going. I don't know what happened a while ago, but I'm sorry. But uh, we was at, at least I called it early because we was about to have a great conversation about some good t- good things and uh, looked up and the record wasn't working. So uh, learning curves, learning pains. It's a it's a big thing. Like trying to, you know. I think I think I, this is probably the tenth or eleventh that I've recorded, and um, we've put out like four because going through fixing stuff on them and I'm still not the best at that. So uh, just bear with us, but. Uh, we glad to have Jake here and talk about it because uh, he's he's real big into turkey hunting and I think he gets it done pretty much anywhere he goes turkey hunting. Yeah, I've uh, I say anywhere I go, I ain't been too many places. You know, Mississippi, Texas, Louisiana, Miami so far. Uh, the tri-state and lower south. You know, I have plans on one of these days going up north, trying to hopefully get on Merriam. You know, maybe a oscillate down to Florida or Golds, but uh, it's just a dream. You know, right now. The Rios, that's what I love right now the most anyway, the Rios. All right. Yeah, that's, uh, we'll get into that. Uh, I'm going to jump right off into it. You you texted me the other day, a video and everything. You got your brother on one, huh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm telling you, that was, a, that was a hunt that just couldn't have came together any better. That was a bird that worked for us that, well, I've been talking about basically a chicken on a string. You know, we worked that bird from 6.40 in the morning to 8.45. We pulled a trigger, and that bird came over about 500 yards travel. That's that's impressive. Uh, it was a little bit of redemption for him from what I from what I understand, huh? Oh, yeah. Last year, uh, we were hunting up in, uh, we were hunting in Pine Grove last year. And, you know, he, he just, you know, we try to make a yearly hunt every year. Try to cut you on birds, spend some time, you know, his brother's. We don't do a whole lot together throughout the rest of the year because he's always deer hunting, I'm always bass fishing, or vice versa, you know. And uh, we stay busy a lot of times with families and all that, so we try to make time each, for each other uh, one time a year at least to go dirt hunting. And last year, he uh, we got on a couple birds, we heard him gobble, and we actually just stumbled up behind him. And he threw up, shot at a long shot, and it was just too far for him. The bird was probably about 80 yards. There wasn't no chance, and he. He thought he could do it, and I was like, yeah, that's way too far to even try, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody does something like that at least once. Uh, oh, yeah, you got to throw that Hail Mary. If you, if you don't happen to throw a Hail Mary every now and then, I'll bet you find enough, you know, or you, or you have to get enough. Exactly. It's the same thing, like you said, with fishing. Like, yeah, there's that, you know, you, you gotta, you got to throw that Hail Mary into anything you do. Uh, that's what, uh, what type of, uh, you know, like, let's get into some turkeys and just, dive into this turkey hunt now what type of call do you prefer mouthpiece or you know box what you slate what you go with mostly what i use uh is polar elite put out a crystal uh crystal uh pot call and i've just been stuck with that one for the last three years i got about nine birds underneath it and it's just a pretty it's, a, it's just a real pretty call you can get real quiet you can, you can talk to them way far out in the wind and like we were talking about earlier over here wind's blowing steadily i mean it's blowing right now it may be only a five, ten mile an hour wind, but it'll carry that sound either to them or away from them. So if you got to cut through that wind, I found that that crystal it sort of throws it further out to them, you know. And they gobble, and you can hear them. You can hear them react to it. So whenever they react to it, you know they're you know they're picking up on something. 
And as they come in, you know, you can, you can crank it down a little bit and just sort of work them real slow and quiet. So, but that's what I normally, 99% of the time that's what I'm running is that, uh, that crystal pot call. Okay. And, uh, that's, uh, like I said a while ago, this is your first turkey season over where you're at. You had a, you know, you had a pretty good deer season over there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've actually hunted a little bit further west in here. over some friends' places. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, I got an I got, I got outstanding bird. Had, he, had the taxidermist not already done clean, uh, cleaning him out, he would have been number 83 in the top 100 Rios killed with the NWTF in Texas. Uh, big triple beard. 23 and 7 eighths inch overall beard, uh, inch and a half spur on one side, inch and I think he had inch and three eighths on the other side, and he weighed uh, 21 pounds. So, I mean, he was up there, he was scoring real nice, and I talked to a couple buddies of mine that were hunting north of me from Louisiana, and, and uh, they were also members of NWTF. And in order to have a bird scored, you know, properly, you had to have witnesses and all that. Well, I got a hold of them, and I called a taxidermist, a taxidermist, well, I done skinked him out i was like man so i actually missed out on the opportunity and that was over a little further west i mean about two hours west of me in floresville where uh like last saturday i mean that i mean that girl had doubled up you know for her first bird yeah that, so. that's what uh i think I, i've hunted out just out of comfort texas and uh i did some uh access hunting over in that area a couple years back and uh totally different like out there than it is to what we're normally used to and uh you know it's like you look at it and it, it it takes a little bit of getting used to it. Like I said, I I did some you know axis hunting and um, plan on going back. I think that was probably uh, I hunted them in February of nineteen. I think yeah, because my arm was still in a cast from the uh, wreck I got in in um, November December of uh, eighteen. I broke I broke my wrist and uh, tore the ligament and tendon in my right arm, which I shoot right handed. But I'd already scheduled the hunt, and I can shoot left-handed, so I went anyway. <laughs> and uh, you, you know, and uh, but heck, that deer that was uh that deer season like a two, a week after I got in the wreck, I shot a um buck and a doe shooting left-handed. So everybody's like, "Why don't you shoot left-handed all the time?" I'm like, "Cause I try not to." I was like, "I thought every, I was like I, I was just always practicing shooting off-handed like." I'll get carried away like I'll, like practicing with my bow like I shoot right-handed bow but I can I can shoot my right-handed bow left-handed well enough to shoot a deer just from doing it all the time because like I'm, I'm one of those that like I practice weird things just for you know the enjoyment of it and uh you know it's like fishing like you know like I'll switch like I, I use a right-handed bait caster but I'll, when I get tired of it being in my right hand I'll switch and start doing everything left-handed with it you know, like I'll start casting it, like I'll cast, I'll flip right-handed, you know, like holding it for the pressure and I'll use it right-handed, then move my hand up to the reel. I fish with right. one guy I that. Did it. I did it also myself from time to time. You know, then, fish in tournaments like you do. We, we both fish in tournaments. So I mean, you know, I don't know how many casts I put in, you know, whew. from six to three in the morning, uh, from six in the morning, three in the evening, you know, but I understand completely what you're saying, you know, uh, me personally. My eyes ain't gonna let me do nothing left-handed as far as shooting wise. You know, I'll be in a cat. I'll be like a cat in a room full of rocking chairs when it comes to that. You uh. But you talk. You was talking about differences uh, as far as the different now. I guess you could say terrain here versus Louisiana. What I tell everybody, which is pretty, it's pretty funny, but it's true, is that everything out here will want to poke you, stick you, bite you, sting you, or hurt you somehow or another. 
you know, whether it's the cactus, it's the bull nettle. Uh, last week, or the last Saturday when we had little girls on the floor, we were walking out a trail. Well, I looked down there, there's a cat print bigger than my, it's wider than my foot. And I told <laughs> Rachel, I was like, you know you got a cat out there. She's like, yeah, we got two. We got a small and a big one. Met her about six years. I'm like, oh, so you want to talk about makes you want to walk a little funnier? Oh, yeah. I'll definitely do it. <laughs> it's like when I, when, you know, what was it? Um, Right around Christmas, New Year's, I went over to uh, West Oklahoma and looked at that property because we talked about it. And um, I ended up, I went over there and looked at it. It was like five degrees, dude. It was that cold, cold snap. With the wind chill right. when I got out of the truck, it was like almost zero. And uh, I think the, I think the temperature, like the ambient temperature was like 12. And with the wind chill, it was like two. It was horrible. <laughs> and, uh, so oh, I get it. Yeah. But I had already drove over there. I'm like, you know, screw it. I'm a, I got to walk this place and look at it. And, um, you know, I'm looking and I find deer hair in the fence row because, you know, they'd been jumping the barbed wire. The ground was so hard that, like, it was froze. You didn't leave footprints. So it's like, and it'd been, uh, it'd been below freezing for like a week straight over there. The pond on the place was froze solid. And, um, oh, wow. it, like, you could, you could have walked across the pond. Like, I'm looking at it, I'm like, dude, like, it is, you know, and it was like, and, uh, then I ended up, I'm like, and the wind was blowing like horrible. And it was like, man, if I could see some deer, that I'd feel better. But, you know, nothing's going to move in this weather, right? You know, as I say that, I look up and I count 11 does get up out of this little ravine and jump the fence and keep going across the neighbor's pasture off the place I was looking at. And I'm like, you know what? I, I think I'm going to lease this place, but I'm going to sleep on it the night. You know, I'm driving back to Shreveport tonight. I'm going to sleep on it. You know, make, make my decision in the morning. When I got up the next morning, and pulled it back up because it was through the site I used and everything. It had been leased out, <laughs> like literally, like. Oh wow! So uh, it was a fun ride. I mean, you figure I drove from Shreveport over there, and it was uh, I think it it was thirty. It was le- it was uh less than thirty miles from New Mexico. And um, great fun ride, seeing all kinds of stuff. But it was like, which and getting into this, what I'm going with is like, like you said, everything wants to stick you, prick you, or poke you, and that's how that. You know, that's how that layout was over there. Cause I'm like, I'm walking and I find these like little, you know, the little like ground cactuses. Oh yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm looking at them and automatically mm-hmm. in my head, I'm like, man, rattlesnakes like those things. Then I'm like, but it's too cold for snakes. <laughs> it's like, you know, like. When you, you say that, yeah, it's fine. But, uh, what was it? It was, uh, it was right in the middle of February and it was in the probably thirties. I understand over there is way too cold for them. I won't say it was in the 30s whenever I was on this job over here in Divine, which is just southwest of me over here. And uh, I had moved this fence panel over, and lo and behold, underneath it was a daggum scorpion. Oh, wow. You know, and, uh, that's a creature right there that it blends in way too well with the sandy terrain out here. And they say, they, you know, that they ain't going to kill you, but they, they burn like fire when they sting you. And I wasn't going to let him get the first hand, the first lick, you know. That's what I was going to say. I, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. It was like, you know, it's like, I really, I really want, wouldn't want to find out. And it's like, when we was talking, um, and it's like, I did that uh, podcast with, you know, I recorded with Dan Enfault the other day. And uh, right. I, I don't think it's on the podcast. I think it was just him and I talking afterwards or whatever. And we were talking about like, because, you know, he, the, he'll he wade chest deep water in these uh, sloughs and swamps up in Wisconsin and everything, going to stuff and everything. And I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that down here. He's like, no, they got they got way too many little creatures in the water. Yeah, it is. You know, He's like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't even know what they're called. They just look like something that be, they come from Hollywood. You know, like something that the predator gave birth to. Yeah, you know, he he started laughing at me because I'm like, I, I don't think I want to do that in South Louisiana. Like, you know, you you step on a water moccasin in like October down here. <laughs> 
you know, and it's like, no, not, and it's like, and that's the thing, like, I was gonna go scout, like, what's today, uh, today's Sunday, but we're recording on Sunday, April 3rd, but, uh, I was gonna go scout, like, I thought about going yesterday, then I had stuff I needed to do, and then, uh, I'll probably go one day this week, but I'm like, man, do I, I like, it's like, man, I gotta put my snake guards on, because, like, half the place that I'm going is gonna be damp and nasty. And we've been getting a good bit of rain, so I'm like, so there's gonna be snakes. <laughs> it's like, no, oh, yeah. and it's like, absolutely. That's the only bad thing about turkey season down here. Then it's like, you know, over where you're at, you, 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 how many rattlesnakes have you seen in the past couple I've weeks? Actually, I've actually been fortunate. I've actually been able to see. I've only seen one so far, and uh, he didn't make a trip. He was about five and a half foot long, had eleven rattles and a button, you know. So he's a good sized snake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I just picked up a little uh, Bondon's Texan. A six inch barrel derringer mm-hmm. just for that because uh, TSS is way too expensive. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Did you try so, cook? Did you try cooking him or not? No, uh, where I was at, I didn't have no ice chest or nothing with me, and I was like, yeah, it's, it's hot, nasty. I wasn't even gonna waste. You know, I hate yeah. to say I wasted him, but well, you know, I've eaten rattlesnake before, but same time though, it was just like where I was at, there was no way I could even be able to preserve yeah, him yeah. enough to where I could go cook him. You know. Oh, that's why I was asking because I've had rattlesnake too. It's pretty good. Um, you know, like, but I mean, I've also, have you, I've tried Bobcat and like people, I had a guy that Hunter, a buddy of mine I met several years back on public land hunting. And, um, he told me then, he's like, man, if you ever kill a Bobcat and cook it out, you'd rather that over deer. I'm like, yeah, okay, dude, whatever. So like a year later I get a Bobcat. I'm like, you know, I'm going to try it. The back straps look like small pork loins. It's pretty white meat, right? And it's got this sweet flavor to it. You just skillet fry it like you just cut it, you know, like skillet fry it. Don't don't batter nothing. Just skillet fry it like you would a piece of backstrap or pork chop. Right. Bruh. He wasn't lying. It's up there in like the top three. <laughs> no doubt. You know, so that you like I've that. I've heard people eating coyote before and uh, that just don't appease me. Um, and after the two, we, we were able to take out uh, last Saturday. Now that was a wild ride. Coyote, you know, Coyote's not that good. I tried it. Yeah, I don't want to try. I'm good. I've tried I it. They, I know what they eat mostly, you know, especially out here. Whenever mm-hmm. you got you know, the cattle land, you know. And yeah. It's about the same thing as a possum. Now, I'm not really into possum. I haven't been that way. No armadillo or skunk. Well, it's like name name something that actually eats a possum. Like most of your wild animals right. won't even eat a possum. Like buzzards yeah. will pass on it most of the time. Oh, yeah. It's the thing like, is, also something else I find about sex is pretty strange, too, is that it's actually... You know, of course, obviously, it's illegal to pick up roadkill. But <laughs> I also realized that I shot a pig earlier this year, not here in my pasture, and we ended up, you know, knocking the meat off of it, cornering it up, took the guts and the, and the rib cage, you know, what was left, the ribs, and we brought it in the pasture, dumped it out there, what we call it. You know, everybody's got an old bone pile, you know, yeah. y'all, whatever you going to call it. I dumped it out there, and I was just curious. So I put a camera up. And from the time that I put that pig out there, what was left of that pig out there in that pasture, it took 36 minutes for about 50 vultures to get on there and pick him clean. There was nothing but the skull, the rib cage, the backbone, and the two high quarter legs left. And we got all the meat off the high quarter deep on that first, yeah. you know? And uh, it was wild just yeah. to see the vultures and what they call the Mexican uh, Mexican eagles. It's a caracara, which are a real pretty bird, and they're awesome for killing snakes. Uh, they were out here, and they just had a feast. It's just so crazy how fast that they can they can smell you know that carcass or whatever, and they were on it 36 minutes from from the moment that I got a picture from me dumping it 
to the time I got a picture of that rib cage, and they were just over there, just you know, relaxing with their big old full bellies. Oh, dude, I I killed a hog last week of Dece- uh, January uh, when I was public land hunting. It wasn't super. Co- it was like forties, so forty-five to fifty-five during the day on the day I killed them, right? So not super cold, not hot. Literally, time I got him field dressed and like started quartering him up, right? Again, because he was too big for me to load by myself. Like, I think I sent you that picture, I believe. <laughs> he was like, Yeah, right at 200 pounds. I was by myself. I'm like, This ain't happening. So I just started cleaning him right there where I was at, right? Within 45 minutes of him being shot and me like getting like the last piece on the ice chest, the bur- the buzzards were like sitting in the tree looking at me. Oh, they're waiting, they're waiting on their cut. Yeah, and I'm like, Geez, man, like, you know, imagine, so it's like, in hot weather, imagine how quick it really is. Like, it'll make you really think how quick the stuff really go bad. And, oh, um, yeah. And I noticed something else around here. You're talking about our deer season we had out here, which is great. I mean, me and my wife were able to harvest, or well, she was able to harvest her first deer. Uh, I think he's about in the 140s. I haven't actually got an official score. I was going to say, she's going to have, and she's going to have heck ever. He- go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, so I think mine's about the same, you know, about 140, 150 inch, 10, mm-hmm. both of them were beautiful 10 points. Uh, but she was actually in Louisiana visiting a family where I shot mine. Mm-hmm. And when I shot him, you know, I had deer all around me. And it, well, I hunt right here, my it's 27 acres, and I got heard that back up from mine. So shot him, my neighbor, I called my neighbor, I was like, I heard you shoot. I was like, yeah, you don't mind, come give me a hand, this is a bigger deer. I ended up putting him in my truck by myself. Out, put up, he goes on, goes back to his house, whatever. I'll bring him out here beside my house. I'm talking 15 yards from my, from my back door. Had the lights on, had her hanging, you know, we're skinning him out. And they say, you know, it was just all out madness. The coyotes were right in the shadows, 50 yards, 30 yards behind me. And they were circling around me as I'm cleaning my deer out. <laughs> I say, I ain't never had to clean a deer with a handgun on my side, but that night I did. But they just wouldn't come close enough to where, you know, I got to try to scare them off or see yeah. where they're at or whatever. I couldn't tell how many there was, but it was enough for me to know that. You wasn't alone. I, I wasn't alone for sure. I wasn't too comfortable, you know, because I like my deer as much as they like my deer, you know. So it was going to be a fight, regardless if it had to come down to it. What is uh, you know, like speaking of deer season, uh, because it seems like y'all's turkey season, like time frame is pretty close to what it is here. Uh, what is y'all's deer season over there? Because I know Texas uh, has got a couple different, like, you know, uh, like you know, Louisiana, we have like ten areas, but it's all, you know, pretty much the same. You know how it is here. Oh it, yeah, absolutely. And it's similar here. Okay. Uh, the funny thing is, what I've realized about deer season here, though, is the, the management area, or the management, should I say, it, of doe season. Your doe season in Texas is only four days. Mm-hmm. In, well, I say not in Texas, but in most counties, like my county right here, it's four days. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's a Thursday of Thanksgiving through that Sunday after Thanksgiving. And I was sort of like you, you know, whenever you were talking about, you know, you, you were wanting to see deer on that, in that property in Oklahoma. Well... I had religiously three does that had been showing up on my camera, you know, and then I've seen them while I've been hunting and all that. I knew it was, you know, the doe where you are and another bigger doe. So I knew they were there, and I was like, man, we're probably slacking on the does, you know, probably don't have a whole lot, so I'm not even going to worry about doe season this year. My neighbor, they, uh, which actually owns the property behind me, which partially owns most of mine, has MLD tags, so I was able to use an MLD tag if needed. And uh, just to do the management on a doe, 
Well, lo and behold, that Sunday after doe season ends, you know, don't see nothing but them three does. The following Saturday, I seen, what, 27 does in behind my house. <laughs> and one herd. And I'm like, oh, well, now y'all been high and y'all know season's over, so here it is, huh? Yep. So we were actually able, we went ahead and showed one of them tags this season just to go ahead and try to knock down the herd a little bit, which didn't really, one day ain't going to help, you no. know, but it may help a little bit for the uh, population. Yeah. So we, we did that, and uh, me and my wife had spoke earlier, after, well, after season, should I say, and we just made a lineup. Next, this coming season, you know, it was four days, we're planning on probably taking out at least one doe apiece, maybe two does. Just depends on what this summer and spring looks like, because right now everything's a doe, it seems. Uh, they've all lost their horn, dude. Yep. And surprisingly, last week, I actually had, was able, had to literally stop from doing 70 miles an hour, the speed limit, at 5 o'clock in the morning, going on a highway, they had deer run across the road, and there was a little basket rack eight, walk across. You know, I'm like, hey, man, you still got your horn? You run a little late or what, you know? Hey, la- last year in, um, you know, our place that we have in Shreveport, the the private property that my wife's family owns. Uh, I had a buck in May that was hard horn. Huh. And we're like, he's got, it was like, he must not have dropped them yet. Then it's like, you know, cause there's no way he should be hard horn already. He was like a little four or six point. I'd have to find the pictures, but it was like middle of May. And what was crazy though, is like none of it, myself and my two brother-in-laws, none of us had pictures of this deer other than the, then like May. And I had him and he was hard horned. And, um, you know, he was, but we, we didn't have pictures prior to that. So it's like, what the heck, man? And it's like, dear, you know, it's like, it, it's crazy on how some of them do. And, um, that's what, uh, they, and they know what season is. And it's just like you said with, you know, and, um, the turkeys are, I, yeah, you got a decent amount of turkeys right there. You feel, or, uh, what? I'm fortunate enough, I have a permission from two different ranches to hunt. I say two ranches. One of them's small property, probably about 50 acres, and the other one's about 8,000. Uh, and on the 8,000, I only actually hunt two two of the spots. That I think one of them's like a 200-acre pasture area, and the other one's like a 50-acre pasture area. Uh, just the way they're set up on the property is just too pretty, and it's always it's what I, just everybody calls it. I say I, everybody, I call it mostly my honey hole because it's always produced great birds. It's always got a lot of, a lot of activity as far as birds and all. Uh, I seen the first hogs over there last weekend for the first time in probably about, I don't know, it's been a few years since I've, or a good many hunts, should I say, that I've been over there and uh, didn't never see no hogs until the other day we was over there, and we probably had 50 of them come across in front of us on the way chasing some birds, and they come where, from where the birds were at. And I was like, well, they haven't pushed them birds away, so we were smart enough to spin around and go back out the way we came and when we went back out to that pasture and that little smart acre pasture with uh my friend's daughter come up on the hill right there and sure enough seen the two birds that we wanted up on the hill and didn't realize there was seven birds total you know so uh that was a that was a definitely a fun hunt uh but the coyotes the coyotes over here are just thick uh my wife heard them the other day. She said it was five different packs howling just around my house, you know, in different directions. That's, so uh, that's, that's something this, after turkey season, I'm going to try to hammer on pretty hard and get trying to go ahead and help the population of coyotes out around here. You know, uh, just go, go ahead and uh, on that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jake. Oh, it's okay. But uh, the population of coyotes over here is crazy. And like I said, it's all cattle land around here. So, I mean, 
I know the farmers and ranchers around here, if I get if I get and take some of these coyotes out, they'll appreciate it for the calf season. You know, calving season coming up or just passing, shall I say now. Uh, sort of in the middle of it, really. But uh, the farmers and ranchers, I'm sure, would appreciate helping knock out the population of coyotes because that everything from your, your fawns to your, your turkeys, most of your birds, the dove, all that, you know, that all is hindered by coyotes, much less, you know, uh, a calf being down coyotes take calf out you know in no time well that's what i was gonna say like i i haven't researched it but another podcast that i listened to um they were talking about like you know coyote control and everything it's like you know i'm i I trap and everything and then i have my um in louisiana i have my state certification you know to trap and everything then i'm it's like i'm like you like you take it you, you trap you trap them to help the population and everything and from what they were saying on this other podcast, and I haven't researched it for myself, but they was like, it has no true effect. Like, you kill one, and it doesn't affect, like, you could, they're just going to keep multiplying. Like, it bring, when you kill two or three, two or three more move in. And I was like, I don't really know how I feel about that, because I know, like, we've trapped some areas pretty hard on coyotes and everything, and not had to deal with them for, you know, a while. But they were like, you kill two or three this year, within a year or two, you're going to have two or three back. They're just going to keep coming back. And it was like, I don't know, man. And it was like, because they were like, it, it overall, it doesn't help. And I'm like, you know what? It, it, I feel like it helps, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, and even, even if I trap two or, or kill two or three, you know, take out two or three or whatever, and it takes them two or three years. That was two or three two less. Two or three years for, for a deer, you know, to throw two or three, you know, fawns, turkeys to lay two or three sets of eggs. You yeah. Know, that'll help out a population regardless, yeah. Well, exactly, because, like, if you... People don't realize with Texas, there's actually actually counties in Texas that don't have birds due to one thing that most people don't even think about, and that's red ants. The red ants can get in these palmetto thickets so bad, and they get on these birds, they'll kill a bird. Because the birds can't get them off of them. And I was blown away when I learned that about, you know, about five or six years ago, I learned that, uh, I want to say it was Bazoria or Matagorda County. One of those is uh, pretty much like a bird-free county due in part to the red ants. And so that was definitely something new for me to learn, you know. Yeah, that that's I just learned that now. I didn't, but I mean, it yeah, makes. Well, I learned that like red ants. What you mean? They're like, yeah, they get the feathers, and the birds can't get them off. No, uh, you know, a daggone pile of red ants get on a bird, and just like if it would, you know, a small child or something, they can't get them off of them. Yeah, as you can that's say, we they're we, in trouble. You, you know, know, we have heck with them, so I can imagine a bird that can't reach everything. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, heck, I was out here doing the honeydews last week. You know. Uh, flower gardens and garden and all that stuff and find little ant piles here and there. I was like, okay, well, next thing you know, I went to town and I'm stocked with all ant poison because I don't want to get bit by them for sure. And yeah. Much less my two little boys. I was don't saying, you saying about ants because you know when they're young boys, they ain't looking where they're going. They just running and, and roaring. So no, that's ex- I'm good with it. You know exactly. That's as you can say. Like it's your little boys because I know how mine or mine are nine and seven and like if there's an ant nest within a hundred yards, they seem to be able to find it. Oh, absolutely, you know, and then we have to hear about it. I'm like, well, okay, I can take care of it, you know. It's like my, my seven-year-old, there's a spot that, like, he fell down at my grandparents' house when he was, like, two and he got bit by ants. Mm-hmm. He's seven now, right? He avoids that spot. Uh, right? He's <laughs> staying he's, uh, scarred for life, huh? I'm like, dude, you can't remember what I told you 20 minutes ago, but you can remember five years ago getting bit by them ants. You ain't bite so hard, Julius. Exactly. <laughs> I, I ain't doing something right. <laughs> But uh, 
Yeah, that's... Yeah, man, it's a whole different world over here. Um, the bird population is is outrageous. The deer population versus where I'm used to, you know, where I've been born and raised in Louisiana, hunting, you know, Mary Chipola, Greensburg, West Louisiana over there towards Sugar, uh, Sugar Town and all that. It's just... It's wild. It's so crazy. Uh, was it weekend before last? Yeah, weekend before last, me and a partner of mine went to go fish tournament, the one I was telling you about earlier in Choke Canyon, and uh, running down this road, and there's a high fence on, on the right side, and it's a low fence on the, on the left side, and I come up and up down this hill, and as I come down this hill, I started seeing them, and I wasn't far. So needless to say, that poor truck, that poor boat was getting a brake check of his life coming down that hill because there's probably about 25 deer against that high fence saying, hey, you know, we ain't woke up enough. Our legs ain't long enough to stretch over that high fence today. They changed their mind, turned around, started walking back across the street, and they was in no uh, back across the road. And they was in no hurry. You know, they was living their best life. And also, a truck horn, a car horn, don't phase them. I was going to say, they, they, they look at you and laugh. Yeah, they've heard it so much that they th- they got the right away, huh? Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, nowadays, I just roll down a window and just tell them that they have big ears, and that normally gets them on, you know, it upsets them and they run away. Right. So, I, I have learned a little trick about that, you know, working. You know, what I do for work also is uh, working, doing some of this ranch work. So, I mean, you got deer running all over the place. And it was funny, you know, one day I just randomly rolled down the window on some does, and about 15 of them laid down. I'm like, you got big ears. And they all just spook and run. I was like, huh, they're sensitive. <laughs> so so now every time I get up on a deal or a deer, you know, having to slow down or whatever, it's you got big ears, and they don't like it. They, I've been good with it. <laughs> it's something about the tone you're using with them, huh? I don't know if they get offended or whatever, but they they hot-tail it out there whenever they just big ears in there. That's funny. Oh, yeah. I'm sitting here in this bait room today looking at what I don't have to do. That's what I was going to... Another thing I was going to ask you about, how I know you make, uh, you're making your crank... you back to making your crank baits and everything, or what? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm trying to get back into it. Uh, of course, you know, obviously interrupted by turkey season because priorities, I need to say. Uh, there for a while, I mean, for about three weeks, I was hammering hard right before turkey season. And turkey season coming, I just slacked back a little bit. I'm gonna give it, you know, I, and like I, like I said, everybody else, I do them per order. So unless you know, I have you know baits to be made, I'm not. I, I don't see no use in making them because it's not gonna appease to everybody that I make them. You know, ones I make or ones I paint or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So that's why I try to do them per order. That way I'm not wasting my time, their time, or money, and, you know, energy and all that stuff. So right now I'm just pretty much wasting most of my time in the woods. And uh, between the woods, the work, and the boys and the wife, you know, it's, it, and my wife's like, you guys have such an easy job. I'm like, how? How you really got an easy job? You know, I'm on the road a lot for work. I'm not, and of course, don't get me wrong, I'm out there doing what I love, and that's always been outdoors. And anything from, from what, doing ranch work, filling feeders to, cutting grass on some of these bigger ranches and all it's just a random you know it's never the same at work so that's what i like about it i guess yeah so, uh y'all y'all have any um exotics over where you're at uh free range or no not really uh there's not there's not many right here around where i'm at you gotta go up further north uh northwest in your country yeah uh, you'll see your you'll see your axes running around you know yeah back over towards like yeah, i was talking about earlier comp, not too far uh, from here, but as far as free range there's not many yeah see like when we were talking about uh where i went to oklahoma earlier what was uh crazy from what i learned it was um up that the northern part of texas there by the 
by the the border and everything. Right. Um, they've got some free range some alt ads or something there. I don't remember exactly, but they're starting to spill over. They killed a couple on the public land in uh, Oklahoma last year. And, uh, oh, that's cool. So they're saying that it came, you know, like they're starting to get some free range around there, and it's like, you know, they'd last about a week here in Louisiana. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, and that was, I worked in West Texas a few years back and seeing my first muley, uh, that was definitely wild Did, because it was about five o'clock in the morning. It come from my passenger's door up and across the front of my truck and over to the driver's side in front of my truck when it jumped four o'clock in the morning on his, on his, uh, location out in the middle of the oil field, you know? So that definitely blew me away. I'm like, that wasn't the white tail. Look. I've seen the bill black horns, you know, and the bill splits. I was like, my first time seeing a mule deer, we were in Colorado, um, not too far out of Aspen, and uh, my wife's family, it was 20, we were dating, 2016, um, yeah, I think it was 2016, it was, they were having a get-together for her grandfather, and it was the last year he was, he, I think he passed away the following year, but um, we were all at like the golf clubhouse there at the resort, uh, on the golf, you know, thing. Right. Uh, there may or may not have been some drinks involved and uh, we leave right so I'm just putting back along because it's like three miles back to the house and I had like I wasn't you know I'd had a couple drinks and it was myself my wife and her brother and his his wife now we're all in the vehicle together well we get to this roundabout and there's these three huge mule deer on the right hand side and when I say huge like the smallest one was probably 140 inches you know, 150. Wow. It was, it was huge. And, um, so I make the circle through the roundabout to come back to pull off to the side and look at them. Right. I have the right of way. Good old roundabouts. Cause I'm in the roundabout. Well, the guy coming, going to fly into the roundabout has to stop because, or, you know, like slow down because I'm making it through the roundabout. Right. As I'm going, the guy, he hits his brakes. The guy behind him doesn't hit his brakes. So there's a wreck, right? Well. The guy that rear-ended the guy, other guy, the guy that, you know, like, the guy that hit the guy, right? The guy that rear-ended the guy? He was a cop. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. So, right. he turns his lights on on his unit, and the four witnesses of everything have all been drinking. So, we just mm-hmm. went back the other way. <laughs> that was my first mule deer. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, then, like, you know, saw it, then the following year or so, I was sitting there talking to my you know, my grandmother-in-law in her kitchen and she looks out there like I'm drinking coffee or whatever. And she looks out the glass door. It's wide open. Like the front door's open and there's this big glass door looks out. Right. She says, would you go run that deer off from eating my flowers again? I look up from like, you know, the newspaper or whatever I was, cause I was reading something. She hadn't, she's like, Hey, read this. And I'm reading it. There's a, I got the pictures somewhere. I'll have to show you. There's like a mule deer doe. In the front yard, eating the flowers, I open the door and walk out there and holler at her, and she just looks at me and goes back to eating the flowers. She's literally, I got like eight feet from her before she finally like just trotted about 10 feet from me and looked at me like, what's your problem, dude? Yeah, that's what, uh, that's like similar to here with the deer. My wife, she said, I don't want to do a tomato garden and this and that and that and this and that. That's fine. I said, remember, it ain't deer season whenever your tomatoes start getting eaten and all that. You know, once these vegetables and all start making fruit, uh, making, you know, yeah, you better have a good fence around them. There's going to be a fight between us and animals because you want a, you want a tomato and so does a deer. <laughs> look, look, my grandfather planted, like, he tilled up, like, an acre one time. This is probably 
12 years ago, a little longer, and planted like an acre of strawberries at his house, right? Right as they're starting to grow and they're, they're pretty. He hadn't picked any yet. They're just getting ripe to be able to pick, right? And he's got a bunch of them. He goes out there and like something had ate every one of them. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> See, he, he was a little upset. That's another thing. That's another, like, uh, that bigger ranch I hunt over west of Millville, that's actually a watermelon farm. They do a lot of watermelon. Nice. And so while I'm there, you know, I don't mind if I get, I get a chance. I try to take out all the hogs they, I can get because they destroy the heck out of oh, the watermelon yeah. crops. And, uh, you know, and that's why I talked to the to the ranch on the other day. He's like, you know, actually on turkey, they don't really bother the watermelons too much. You know, I'm... He said it's getting time to go see it anyway. Like, you know, normally them turkeys, they don't mess my watermelon fields too much. I figured, you know, I, yeah. how much they like seed anyway, you know, from any kind of uh, sunflower to milo to corn and all that. You'd figure they'd be tearing up a watermelon seed, but they don't bug them. That, that's different. I figured they would eat it because I mean, like, you throw a, maybe if it was busted open, they would because, like, a, a, just a regular watermelon, chickens won't really bother too bad, but you cut it open. Yeah, they'll eat it that's true maybe that's what it is I mean I, but I kind of you know I don't know turkeys are I'm not a huge turkey hunter I've only been a couple times so I don't really like and um uh, that's what I'm probably gonna make a trip before see like somewhere this year like one of the local places here this year and uh I hadn't hunted turkeys probably since I was 16 17 but um right. I'm mainly using it this year for scouting and the, you know reason to get out but um, I gotta find them. If you remember, I think I sent you some pictures last year. I made the uh, wing bone collars. Did I send you those? Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe you did. But uh, yeah, I, they're somewhere because like I had my office and I decided I was gonna build the shopping office at my house, and then the rain set in. And, you know, last year when it started raining like every two days. Right. And um, I actually just got my. I started building my dirt pad this past December like 14 months after I was going to start building my pad, you know, like originally. And, um, got the, got the pad up to where I thought it should be. And I was like, okay, good. So then, you know, have to get the permits and all this, you know, for, to build. I was okay with putting the dirt in for the pad, but I had to get it for the electricity, blah, blah, blah. Nope. They come out 45 days later. They decided to tell me it's gotta be a foot, foot higher than what it, I have it. Oh Lord. But it took them 45 days to tell me this. Oh, that's about. So I just got crazy. the, I just got the last bit of dirt in. Um, let's see, Friday I had my cousin has a dump truck. He hauled me. He got off work, and uh, I called him, and he's, I was like, "What are you doing?" He said, "Oh, I'm getting ready to cut this treetop up." I said, "Oh, okay. You think you could haul me some dirt Saturday?" Because he has a full time job, then he has a dirt uh, dump truck. He's like, "Uh, uh, I can put this all up and haul it right now." So I got my first load of dirt at six o'clock Friday evening. <laughs> Wow. All right. Five loads later, it was like 8.30 and we're dumping it with a flashlight. <laughs> so I graded all that Saturday morning and he calls me. He's like, hey, you got it. I was, I was like, I'm grading. He said, you going to need some more. I was like, yeah. He's like, well, I got to work today and when I get done, I'll haul you some. So Saturday, I got my first load at 6 p.m. again. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I do a flashlight again. I go charge your batteries back up. Yeah. Then I was picking up my grandfather because I had his tractor and I, was, I took his tractor back Sunday after church and I said hey you need to get the headlights fixed on the tractor and it's an old like 135 Massey Ferguson diesel and um uh-huh. when I went to anytime I go to get it he's told me he's like don't you don't lose the key as he hands me a screwdriver mm-hmm. you know cause we gotta jump across yeah, right. yeah and I'm like but I, he said he looks at me with this dumb look on his face he said 
it doesn't have headlights. He said, what did you rig up on it? I said, oh, nothing. I said, but I got I got it all graded because it was supposed to start raining Sunday. You know, like, you know, it was supposed to start raining. I didn't know when it was going to rain. So I'm like, it's supposed to hold off. And uh, no, this was in the Monday because I had to get something for more Monday. Like, but it was supposed to start raining. So I, I'm out there with the, like, you know, the little headlight strap on your head. Oh, yeah. Riding around on the tractor, grading it. I'm like, you know, they can, the, my neighbors can probably hear the tractor and they can see the light going around. They're probably like, what the heck is he doing? Sure yeah, enough. Ain't no sure enough, I run yeah, into the, the one that piece of AAA's or was it like a good frogging kind of headlight though? The AAA. <laughs> uh-huh. The, the, the little AAA one. It wasn't a good one. <laughs> oh, so in other words, yeah, you got a headlight, but you mostly run about field then. Yeah, yeah. So look, I'm riding around like that, right? You know, I get it all graded. The next morning it hadn't rained. I slick it. I make sure it's good and slick. Throw it on the tractor, take it back. I'm, I'm cutting up with him. And uh, I, stop, I end up running into one of my neighbors at the store. And they said, hey, what were you doing? I said, I had to grade that dirt. It was like, you need a brighter light? I'm like, no, I had a bunch of bright lights. That's just what I had in my hand, like, on me at the time, and I wasn't stopping to get a brighter light. <laughs> I was like, but I'm done now. But So, yeah. So, yep, all that to say that once I, you know, I got that, I can do my shop, my pad, you know, I got my dirt pad, I can start putting my concrete in, but once I get my shop built, I'll actually be able to find half my hunting stuff. Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's, I've got, like, all my turkey hunting stuff is, like, pretty much put up because I don't do it. So it's, you know, so it's all got to go out there. It's crazy. It's like, I, I, I deer hunt all the time. But you know that. So it's like, you know how much I'm in the woods deer hunting. So it's like, I know where all that's at. Anything, uh, and like, I, I know. The opposite. Like, I don't know where much of my deer hunting stuff is, but I can tell you any day, any day of the week where my decoys are, my turkey vest, my turkey gun, my shells, and all that. I know exactly where they are 365 days a year, you know. Well, it's right like, now, I got two vests in my truck. And like, yesterday, my wife's like, why you got two vests? I said, well, you know, I've been, like, my brother come with me and whoever wants to come with me. Normally, your, your, your traditional vests don't work as great here in South Texas because cactus and all that stuff. It's hard to lean up against a tree, you know, because you're covered in cactus. So I use those Alps, the Alps Grand Slam system. Yeah, it's a little bit heavier, it has a frame, but you can lean it up anywhere, you know? Yeah. See, that's what um talking like, you know, like you said, that, that, and it's like getting back into the deer hunting. I, I'm switching over to saddle hunting. And I, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the saddles. All right. And, um, like, totally different because, you know, like, we're used to carrying a climber or whatever, and it's like, the lightest climber you're going to get is probably the, one of the original old mans that weighs, like, 19 pounds. And um, right. then you're you're not, you're you're limited to an extent on what you can, you know, hook it to. Just because, like, you got to find the tree that you like, and it's just so much, you know, to take into consideration. And it's like, you can carry a lock on and sticks, and you can get a soup you can get a really light setup on lock on the sticks. You can get under ten pounds with a complete set now. But that you're you're dropping serious money for it. And then oh, yeah. you know, you're not gonna leave it up because you don't want it to be installing. And um then it's like so but the saddle, I don't know how familiar you are with them. You know, it's like the best way to describe it is it's like a big diaper. And uh right. like I've and uh then a one stick method, which is I, I got a 15-inch one-stick with, like, a, a three-step adjustable, like, rope ladder. You re, you reach as high as you can and put this one-stick on a tree, right? And it doesn't matter. You can put it on any tree you want because it just wraps around. You know what I mean? And uh, reach as high as you can and put it on it. And, like, my buddy uses an 18-inch, but he's also, like, 6'1", and I'm, like, 5'6", so the 15's kind of, you know. <laughs> and, uh, 
But it's like... I do like horse saddles pretty much. You gotta get my size. Yep, yep. Depends on how, you know. So we, um... And it's like, so... Say you reach up as high as you can and put it. The bottom of it's probably at seven, seven and a half feet. So my first setup, my feet are at seven and a half feet, you know, then you're tied to the tree, right? As soon as you, right. before you ever go up, you can actually strap off to the tree with your lineman's belt before you ever start climbing, which means you're hooked to the tree before you ever step off the ground. Huh, like super safe. It, dude, if you do it right, it is. And, uh, like, we, we put a video out on uh, the YouTube channel the other day, uh, you know, Delta Flodge Outdoors. Uh-huh. And, um, go, you can go to YouTube and see the video. It's, uh, about 18, 17, 18 minutes, and it's a demo on saddle hunting to walk through. And my buddy that, um, Ty, one of my pro staff guys, it's his setup. And, uh, he's, he's promoted, he does it, and, uh, he actually repels down the tree and everything. And it's like, and he's like, the thing, the reason I'm, you know, like, I, I hunt public land a lot. Well, you can get in any tree you want, and you're in and out of the tree in, like, literally... 10, 15 minutes, like any normal stand, right? Huh. But you're you're wearing your the 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 saddle itself. You're wearing it. Like if you go watch a video, like they got a bunch of saddle videos, but you know I'm gonna promote mine because it's mine. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, but like I watched a bunch. Then like we did that with his and um everything. But it's like you've got it. You're wearing your sat your your ropes and your saddle. Your your stand itself weigh about depending on what type you get anywhere from two to four pounds. The one step setup weighs about three pounds. Your total That's setup's like seven pounds to eight. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I mean, I could I could actually easily carry that to the woods. You know, if it's anything like a turkey vest, anyway. Yeah, you're pretty much well. You can wear it all. You're wearing it. The 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 basically, like I said, it fits. You slide it on, and it's like you're wearing it like it's over your clothes. You're wearing it, so your your weight of your harness and uh, ropes is on your hips. Right. And then, like, if you're carrying a backpack with your, uh, you know, like, you carry snacks and everything, whatever, you got a little backpack, right? You can put your oh, one yeah, stick. Got yeah, go. you got your one stick on it. And it's like, what's cool about it is, like, my seven-year-old, he can go out there and put the one stick on the tree and climb up right now. Huh. I haven't, you know, like, they don't, they don't, no, they, like, nobody has produced just a straight-up saddle for kids yet because of all the liabilities. And um, right. that I've got a podcast coming out on that in a couple of weeks too with uh, Robert Wood that owns Wood Tree Saddles out of Florida. Really cool cat. And um, he's I think we talked for about two and a half hours on the podcast, and probably another thirty minutes after that. Then like we text probably every day about just hunting stuff and everything. He answered any questions I had. Like even like he didn't just like his product was the best. Like that was what was cool. He didn't and he didn't dog anybody else's product. He told you the good things about everybody. And like, right. and uh, but I was like, you know, do they have a just a kid one? And he's like, no. He's like, you know, like my kid. He's like, my kids use them, but I I make my you know I make my own, so I made some adjustments. But you know, it's like, so it's like, you know, you, you and I, are, I think about the same age, Jake. I'm 37. You're 36, 37. And uh, right. you know, we've we've hunted most most of our lives, and uh, Robert's the same age as us, and he was like. When, he's like, how old were you the first time you used a harness and tied off? I said, shoot, I was probably grown. And he's right, like, I was, I was probably fifteen. I was probably about eighteen, nineteen. And he's like, he's like, right. He said the first one I ever had. And he cinched it all up, got as tight as he could go, which was still too loose for me because I was a mm-hmm. little, little fellow back then anyway. 
and it threw me in the old tree rounder. So up I go up this little oak tree on a tree rounder, get up there, I'm hanging out, next thing the bottom drops to the bottom to yep. the ground. I'm didn't like, tie oh, them together. Okay, forgot about tying that part off. Yep, and that's that's what I'm getting getting at. This is so much safer because like you're hooked automatically, and that's like I'm gonna start teaching my boys how to use it because it's like, yeah, it's it's way lighter, and it's something that they're hooked to the tree automatic, and it's like, right. and um. You know, they're all rated, this is what cracks me up, they're all, everybody rates theirs to like 300 pounds. And I'm like, why, why are they rated to 300 pounds? And the answer I got will crack you up. Well, you're live, and, this, and we're, we're, we're on a Zoom call, so we're face-to-face looking at each other when he says it, right? He's like, well, the liability insurance goes way up if you go above 300 pounds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh, they'll all support more than 300, but we don't advertise that due to the fact that the, li- the liability insurance is out outrageous at that point <laughs> like that's in the podcast like dude i am like laughing probably like uncontrollably because i'm like at least you know what at least i gotta that answer that question <laughs> but uh right, it was an answer. yeah an honest answer and that's what uh but yes you know check check out our video we got like because like if you got any questions about them like we can answer them for you and i can hook you up with somebody that can but it's like they're so much safer and it's like i know like well here's my question because i mean i haven't really got into it too much and now since i moved here like mm-hmm. How, I understand you're tied off to the tree, but like, can you get over limbs and stuff? Like, yes. You your limbs like you do no, you don't have to cut. You don't have to cut any limbs. Like, you go up and you got your lineman's belt on, right? Right. You take your other your tether, which is your other belt, your other um rope. Hook it above that limb that's in your way, right? Right. Hook it back to your um te- your your bridge. It's connecting your saddle to each side. Uh-huh. Unhook your lineman's belt and you're tied off with the one above your head. Climb up to it around that limb, then go up to the net, whatever you need to do. Huh. Well, I say that I just curious because most of our trees at six foot, seven foot. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think South Texas don't yeah. have tall trees. Yeah. <laughs> and, know, I mean, yeah, but people build people build box lines that are you know at fifteen feet yeah. tall or they're taller than half the trees are hunting around. Exactly, but <laughs> this is you can because you have two you have two tiles right, so you right. take. You take the your your lineman's belt, which is your automatically, it, you know that's your lower one that stays about nipple height basically, and you know like like right. you know like climbing a, a light pole. You get to a limb sticking out, you take and reach up above it, and hook that your other belt on that you know like that would be above your head for when you're finished. Right. And hook it back with its canabar uh canabar whatever canabar back to um. The, say, the bridge, unhook your lineman's belt, but you're still tied to the tree. Then you climb up and go around the limb. What's cool about it, though, is you have your little platform that you're standing on, and you're just kind of, you relax the rope, and you're just hanging from the tree, right? Right. You're, you're literally, you can stand or sit, and, like, your knees are against the tree. Like, you're kind of, like, hugging a tree. So you literally become a tree hugger. And, uh, but you have full, the tree stays between you and the deer at all times because you can swing all the way around the tree. And uh, like you can shoot like, I I had the bow the other day and was like you have full range to shoot anywhere. Oh, that's cool. And I was playing with my bow and it's like, but um yeah check them out like it's a kind of a larger investment to start with, but it's like right. the last stand you'll ever need. And it's like yeah, I definitely had to check it out especially if I hunt somewhere you know if I go back east or north or something. Well it's like, like I said, over here, I mean hey. If you wanted to get up in a tree that bad around here, you just get a six foot ladder. You know, you probably don't see any yeah. tree around here. You'd be almost on the top of it. These, these old oaks over here, they just they go up a little bit and they just start spreading. Yep. So that's why most of us out here, we all got blinds, you know, whether box blind or little yep. soft blind. My poor blinds, I watched them go through wind here about a month ago. They went from one side of the property 
Flipped around all the way to the other side of the property. So they, they put them in a new spot for you for next year? Uh, I said, you got a new hunting area for next year? <laughs> no, no, because they ended up flying back the other way the next day when the wind changed direction. That's about right. So. Uh, but, yeah, that's what, um, yeah, uh, so you, um, you've killed one turkey, y'all doubled the other day, then your brother, like, so you've, you've had a pretty good turkey season out there already this year, which is super cool. Um, but that's what, um, why I wanted to bring you in and talk a little bit about turkey hunting and everything. And like the, you see it, like you said earlier, the new, the hogs being on that place, that, that's, you think that's going to affect your turkey, re, you know, repop, like population due to them eating the eggs and everything or? Oh, absolutely. Uh, them hogs, they'll get up on a nest and it don't take but 10 seconds and the nest is destroyed from a, tur- uh, from a hog, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, and then also the poults have a hard time, you know, trying to defend themselves away from the bag of hogs to the hogs. They don't care. They just see it's an easy opportunity for a meal, you know? Yeah. Ho- most things, most, you know, the, I say the scavenger slash predators out here are opportun- opportunistic, you know, so whenever they go on that kind of situation, that's whenever they're going to go off and get their bellies full and hurt the population. Uh, but yeah, the biggest thing we have out here as far as predator wise, I believe be coyotes over anything between the coyotes, the crows the, and the hogs, you know, it's, it's hard life for a turkey, I, you know, I, and many other animals too. Yeah. And that's what, uh, I'm, that, that's, I mean, cause like you said with the deer a while ago, that's impressive to have that many, like, you know, cause I've seen pictures y'all posted and everything. So it's like, I, I know, kind of your area there and then us talking with when you sent me the numbers the other day you know to look up on those turkeys for you you know the locations right. so it's like i kind of know the area that's like that's an, an impressive deer herd i mean oh absolutely and, you know i mean the, the, the herd of deer around here is like i said it's it's like nowhere ever been before and people are like oh well, you know it's all high fence no it's not it's all actually low fence mm-hmm. you know and the few high fences you do see around here uh matter of fact it was crazy because they have a high fence about i don't know 15 miles from here maybe 10 15 miles going to the next city over Cuero. and uh you'll figure you know i'm gonna live right beside Cuero, which is known for turkey capital of the world so i don't know how fate just hit like as you can say you sure you didn't like make that happen hey man it's the man above i guess he just knew where to put me <laughs> you know and they're, and they're high school mascots the fighting gobblers and they got turkey pictures, and they have a turkey run every year. I think the original turkey run had uh, either 18, always 18,000 turkeys they run through the middle of town. Whenever they first had their first ever ter- turkey run, and it's a big thing every year. Now they let turkeys run through the middle of town every year. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely crazy, you know. And as a matter of fact, that's my brother, the same city my brother killed that, or just on the outside of the city, where he killed that good beer uh, last week, or no, was it Friday, the last Friday. And, uh, like I said, that morning, man, we set up, and we were actually, you know, we get there on time, like we were supposed to, and I was like, yeah, let's, let's hang out a little bit later, I want to try something different this morning versus where we were with a little bit of the week before, because that's when we killed the two coyotes, and uh, so we ended up going a little further down a fence line, and they had two birds gobbling at 640 straight in front of us, and then they had two to our left, which was over across property line, and uh, so I was like, man, I, I'd, I'd like to really, you know, get one over here. So I did something that I normally never do, and I, I started doing some real, real soft yelps real early. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to just want to chance it, you know, try to go and let that bird know that, hey, look, got a female over here, you know, here's your opportunity. Come on, big boy. So, and it actually worked uh, about 650, and 
the sun was barely up. Like you could see, you know, it was well enough you could see without flashlight, but I know the birds were still on the roofs. And um, so he started hammering this bah, 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 steadily. And from 6.40 to 8.45, whenever my brother pulled a trigger, that, that bird didn't gobble 200 times. It didn't gobble the first time. And he was just steadily gobbling. And we watched him. And I watched him at about 300 yards out. He'd come up to the fence line at about 300 yards out. He started making his way towards towards my right, towards where the fence turns into a barbed wire. And I knew if he crossed that barbed wire, it was going to be on. And uh, sure enough, he made his way out through to the right under the barbed wire. And he ended up making a big old loop and come back in and around to us and up down through a bottom and up to the other side. And when he comes to the other side, it's when he started doing his dance for us. And uh, he sat in our lap at 40 yards. I told my brother, whenever you're ready, take him. And he let the TSS ring at 835. And that bird didn't know what hit him. And uh, he's a good bird. He's probably about 20 pounds. He had an inch and an eighth on one side and one inch on the other side with a nine and seven inch beard. So he was a good bird, for, especially for somebody's first Rio anyway, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a nice bird. Oh, yeah. So, but uh, over there, I and that was what's wild over there. The hogs were 10 times worse over there than the way I hung over in Florida. And the birds stay, you know, they stay on away from the hogs, I guess, somehow or another. I guess they they got good flight patterns, you know, because uh, uh, most times the birds like to stay on the ground. But uh, Florida's I checked the camera this morning, and I had over 200 pictures of hogs in two days, you know. Oh, wow. That's... So, and it was from daylight to dark and all through the night to daylight the next day there were hogs on See, camera. But... And I'm like, well, ain't no way in heck turkeys are coming through. See, but like and, Texas, uh, you can kill them year-round on, even on, on a lot of the public lands over there. They allow yeah allow y'all to kill tur- deer year round. I mean, uh, hogs year round over there, where Louisiana yeah, is still like, you know. Deer, uh, the ho- not the deer, the hogs. You can take hogs day or night year round here. Uh, also, I figured out. I also found out too is rabbit. You can take rabbit year round, day or night. Yeah, that, that's uh, what I'm saying. Look at on a lot of the public lands, they allow that in Texas. Yeah. Which is insane to me, you know, but that's the difference in Louisiana. You know, Louisiana wants to find a way to make money at everything it does. You know, like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Which, I mean, you kind of can't blame them, but at the same time, you know, whenever I'm over here and I talk to, you know, all these people over here, I'm like, you ever run rabbit dogs? Like, what's that? You know? And I'm like, man, look, I got some people back, I got some friends of mine back in Louisiana, they got the rabbit dog sickness, you know, they're running dogs as long as they can, every day they can, Mm -hmm. you know, just just to hear the hounds holler. Yep. Amen. And that's something so wild. Now, now the hog dogs are a big thing here, Mm -hmm. but uh, the rabbit dogs, they ain't never heard of that noise. And then the squirrels and the coons. It seems like, you know, they say everything's bigger in Texas. I got a squirrel that hangs up my backyard. He gets about five, ten foot up the tree when he runs from it, and he sits there and pants for about two minutes because he's out of breath. <laughs> like a little football. Dude, you know? I was so. two years ago in North Louisiana. I was uh, bow hunting a wildlife management up there that's bow hunting only. And I'm sitting in my stand, and I hear something coming through the woods back kind of behind me to the right. And I glance and look. It looked like a bear cub. It was a coon so big. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, damn. Then off to my left, you know, behind me to my left, here comes a doe and a yearling, right? They're walking down the same path at each other. The coon and the deer. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, when the doe sees that coon and he stands up on his back legs and looks at her, like he stands up and looks, right? 
like right there at the tree because he's at a, at a tree and he was about to go up the tree and he, you know he comes up on that tree and he just looks over there at this doe right I'm looking at him I'm looking at her she just starts backpedaling and blowing looking at him like <laughs> I'm like yeah, yeah you're too big for me to mess with yeah you in that corn and uh I'm like no, he was fixing to go up a tree. Like I was on public land. There was no, there was no food or any, like no corn or anything. It's, they cracked me up. Oh, so I was like, land, right? yeah, I was hunting public land, but it's like cracked me up because he's looking at like, he looks at her and just like raises up that tree to go up it, like and just looks at her like, and she's like, uh, uh, I was like, and I'm looking, I'm like, man, he's saying come at me, bro, and she's like, nah, I'll pass. Yeah, and my dad was about three hundred yards from me back, where the coon that came from, right? That evening, I come out of the woods. And we're walking back. I said, man, I saw the biggest coon. He said, that thing had to weigh 50 pounds. I said, you saw him? He said, yeah, I started to shoot him. <laughs> he said, All right. and, uh, and we was laughing about it, but it was like, <clears throat> and I had I had pictures of that coon on the camera up there, like, biggest coon I ever saw. And I'm like, yeah, we're not that far from Texas. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, uh, I ground checked one a while back, you know, because my wife, she knows how to cook a mean coon anyway. So uh, I ground check went off the feeder a while back, and I went out there, and I'm thinking, Louisiana, 15, 20-pound coon, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. I reached out and I grabbed this son of a gun, has there been a 45 pounds? I'm like, babe, we need more room in the freezer. <laughs> you need a bit. And I went off, and I, I dressed him out, skinned him out, and all brought him inside for you know. Cause, you got to uh, need a bigger pot, babe. <laughs> oh, yeah. She, and her job at the floor was like, oh, my God. Well, I talked to some ranchers over here, and I realized that, and they informed me that a lot of the coons around here don't climb trees. <laughs> they'll literally go in and they'll grab an armadillo out of its out of its hole and go steal the armadillo's hole. <laughs> and I could not believe it. Well, sure enough, was it last it was last Friday? Yeah, last Friday, I went nowhere where my brother killed that deer and where we caught him, uh, where my brother killed that turkey, and uh, we killed him two coyotes. Just before them coyotes come out, we seen a coon come out of a hole in the bottom of an oak tree. I said, look at this. And he stood up, looking at decoy, you know, walking. He's walking, looking over his shoulder at the same time, like he's somebody at Walmart that's seen something sparkly, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he walked on past that decoy. He's like, oh, yeah, I ain't too sure about that. And then got back down all fours and booked it on out of there. Yep. But that was a fun hunt, that coyote. Uh, we had them, I think it was two of the same birds that we heard this past week over there. Uh, they were steadily gobbling, 645, 640, you know, early morning on the roost. And... I had spotted something moving over to my right, and the little girl was sitting on my left. She's she got the itch last year to turkey hunt, you know, in Louisiana. And they tried a couple buddies of mine tried to get on a bird and see with my mom having an aneurysm this past year. Yeah, her mom, which is a good friend of mine, spearheaded a a, a benefit for my mom, you know, because my stepdad was out, from, you know, out of yeah. work, taking care of her and medical bills and all that, helping out. So I told her, I was like, I know your daughter got the itch to go turkey hunting. I said. I have, you know, I have permission on a couple properties to hunt. If you'd like, bring her here, you know, and I'll be more than glad to try our best to get her a bird. Well, she come with me, you know, and she's new, a new bird to turkey hunting. And uh, so we're out there. I'm just after daylight, you know, starting to start my cadence of calls and all. Well, about 130 yards out to my right, I see something moving, something running. I like looking, I like dang deer. I said, it's a Cadegum coyote. Well, it wasn't a minute later after that, to my left, Incom the coyote in a full run and smokes my avian X decoy at 20 yards. And when I hit that decoy, it runs through it and it's running straight to us. And I told her, shoot, shoot, shoot. Well, that time she threw up, shot, and 
put his head between his legs and the TSS just let it eat, you know? So he ended up hobbling off about 15 yards. Well, by the time he done hobbled off 15 yards or so, the other one, the first one I seen come in from the right, I threw up and shot him. You know, mm-hmm. and it was just so wild how fast and how crazy it happened. I was like, hey, buddy, I just killed your partner just now, you know. You don't mind either, so. But uh, she was proud of it. I, mean, I was just super proud of her to be able to shoot that dog, you know, or a coyote, you know, in yeah. such a fast form. But that, that was proof to me. That was all the proof I needed to, to know that them coyotes are detrimental to the to the, to the the population of the birds out here, you know. For for a coyote to come up there and hit a dag on a rubber a rubber turkey. That proves all you need to know about coyotes being predators in this area. Oh yeah. You know, I mean that 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 was that was black and white right in your face saying, "Hey, look, you want to see a killer bird around here? Here it is, right here." Oh yeah, they it definitely proved it. Um, so. let's see, we uh, I don't even know how long we a little over an hour. We're gonna start uh bringing this one down, Jake. So we, cause I mean we we both could talk about you know talk for hours. Especially when it comes to hunting and, hunting and fishing. I mean, uh, that's a... You want to touch on the fishing in here or what? Yeah. Uh, how's everything been fishing with you over there? Uh, man, I tell you, coming from what I call, I tell everybody right here, I come from the mud hole. You know, it's hard to find good, pretty clear water in Louisiana. What we, what we consider clear was always gorgeous water, you know, rather it be in a spillway. You got to find a deep pocket somewhere, you know. Or, you know, me, my love, my most favorite lake was almonds. And, uh one of my favorites anyway uh and then being raised on the Amy river all my life it, it was mud you know so coming yeah. out from, the, from over there to over here to where almost every reservoir out here or lake out here has a four to six foot clarity you know you put a bait down four to six foot you're like oh my lord i can't believe this and just the, the overall fisheries here are mind-blowing uh it was definitely a change versus what i'm used to throwing you know on you know every time or most all times of where I normally use fish, and I've had to slowly get away from per se the, the muddy water technique to get over here to clear water. Everything from downsizing my lines, the different colors I'm using, you know, different kind of uh, different patterns I fish. I mean, don't get me wrong, the fish do basically basically everything. You know, they're going to go to to spawn, they're going to go to their deep pockets, they're going to try to find cover and different things like that but as far as the water clarity that just blows me away and i think we had talked about it earlier uh about your buddy was throwing a chatterbait randomly and yep. some reeds well i fished uh chook canyon chook canyon is just a notorious lake out here in south texas and uh it's a very beautiful reservoir and they have everything from standing timber to rocks to dam- they have a big old dam system most all these reservoirs do uh to grass flats and ledges and all kinds of stuff well me and him was i mean a partner of mine we ended up uh starting off on a place i've never been to this lake anyway but it's something that i looked seen on the map looked pretty promising well we started over there and it was a louisiana water to everybody you know it was that stain that, that darker stained water can't really see too far we fished for a while couldn't do nothing you know i just i even went back to louisiana try you know my louisiana techniques i guess you'd say mm-hmm. just couldn't pick nothing up well later in the day we ended up going across the lake to the other side, and that water was gorgeous. I'm, it was like looking through a bottle of Windex blue, you know? And uh, it was just so pretty water, and it had a couple good points coming out. Well, they had a bunch of standing reeds in there. I just randomly picked up a chatterbait that's normally not a go-to of mine. And uh, we got in. They had two boats 
about 400 yards in front of us. They had a boat about 300 yards behind us, and we just sort of got in between them. I said, let's just go try it for a little bit. We'll see what we can do. Well, sure enough, pick up that, that white chartreuse uh, chatterbait. I think it was the second cast, put the first fish of the day in the boat. And we didn't make it 100 yards, maybe, and I had my five fish. And my partner, we're fishing a singles tournament, and he had three. So uh, that was definitely interesting. And that day actually was pretty wild also because they had three different tournaments going on at the same time. And they had our tournament, they had another tournament, and they had a kayak tournament that was going on. They had 91 kayaks out there. You know, little darting boats running all over the place. It was pretty wild seeing that many boats and people on, on the launches, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it wasn't too bad. I can't complain. I ended up pulling uh, fifth place out of 22 on a reservoir that I never fished against some veterans that fish it, you know, every weekend that they've been fishing for years. Uh, a buddy of mine had found out the following day a lot of the fish went back deeper, and he had sent me a picture the following day, and he had three fish within about an hour and a half over eight pounds. I'm like, yep, you found them, didn't you? He's like, yeah, they went deeper. I'm like, that's about right. So, but uh, the fisheries here, like I say, they're just, they're amazing because almost every reservoir out here has great structure. It has a great program, you know, as far as the water and the preservation of of the fish and trying to help make their lives better and all that. Uh, The river authorities and Texas Parks and Wildlife definitely do a big part in that. So, and they're always, uh, like Fletta Creek, they just did, they just added a bunch of vegetation to uh, a little place called Fletta Creek out here by Victoria, which I fish a lot. Uh, but they're all about improving the, the fisheries out here, I've noticed. And that's something that's awesome for me because, like I said, I got those two boys that are four and six, and them boys love being outdoors as much as I did when I was a kid with my daddy, you know. So I love that because they're looking for the future for our kids, you know, not just for the fish and not for us, you know. Yeah, they Texas has done a really good job on building a future in the outdoors of having, you know, it replenishing where a lot of states need to take aim and look at that and see what they've done. And, you know, it's like if you've got, you know, they're, they're becoming a premier destination for fishing because the quality of bass are producing in almost any lake, you know. So oh, it's yeah. like because they put the – I seen they had a guy this past week over at OHIV, and they put three double-digit bass in the boat one day. Yep. You know, uh, I was. I've been doing pretty good over in Louisiana, of course, Canyon, once it break and all that. You know, uh, but it it just it hurts my feelings a lot because that's where I'm from. I'm from Louisiana. People ask me, you know, all the time, would you move back to Louisiana? And I hate to say it, Louisiana want they will. You know, I come from what was known as a sportsman's paradise. You know, when I was a kid, it was Sportsman's Paradise, you know. Nowadays, it's so hard to get on a lease, you know, or I had to fight through the timber companies and all this, you know, to even try to get to, to make a successful year as far as a hunter or outdoorsman. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, don't get me wrong, your kill or your catch isn't always the, the what makes it a success, you know. In the end, making memories and, and having time with loved ones and friends and all that stuff really makes it a success. But at the same time, I like... I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie to nobody. I like going and getting what I'm going after, you know, whether it be a turkey, a deer, a fish, a hog, you know, whatever. Yeah. If that's what I'm set up to do, I'd like to go ahead and at least complete, compete, you know. You, you want some fruit of the labor. Goal. You know, and, and don't get me wrong, Louisiana does great. They have great deer, you know, in certain parts of the state. But what I feel, in my personal opinion about Louisiana, is that they ain't, they had their focus in certain parts of the state more than they have other parts. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you can know. tell that, like, going on public land. Um, by the way, they're maintained. You know, mm-hmm. different different ones are maintained way better than others. And if you look at what that, you know, who lives around that area, it'll give you the answer of why it's maintained better. <laughs> and, uh, oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. so. Absolutely. You know, and that- and that's from that's everything from fisheries to the deer to turkeys. Yep. You know, and it's was sort of I didn't realize until you know a couple of years ago that they actually did control burns in Louisiana, but it was over in the west side of the state. Mm-hmm. You know, over around Fort Polk and all. So I was like, really? Like NWTF? Like don't know. I'm a supporter of them, but if you're going to do it on one part, why don't you find other parts to do it? I understand? It's, you know, it's a lot of times what it is. It's it's by landowner permission. Mm-hmm. You know, so and. I don't know. It's just, it just throws, it throws a big old curveball to me to understand a lot of it, I guess. But, oh, I agree. You know, like I said, I'm from Louisiana. I'm born and raised. I love it. I'll, I'll always love Louisiana. But I have to say, Texas is home now, you know, considering what it's been offered and gave, gave me and my family so far. Yeah. I yeah. just got to get used to the sandy soil. And that's another thing, you know, I like walking a lot when I'm hurting, like, like especially if I'm scouting or whatever. And it's just like walking on the beach with snake boots and stuff. <laughs> you know, a lot of places. Because it's just so sandy over here. Like, it grabs your feet and you just... And so with my calves, I don't, have to go to, I don't have to go to the gym for leg day anymore. I just go walking, you know. Go walk out here, go scouting. And I got, you know, three weeks worth of workout and snake boots, you know. I said, so, uh, what type of snake boots are you running? Uh, I, currently, I'm running Twisted X. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine, run at Chippewas and all, but I like Twisted X. I don't know why. I, of course, I wear them a lot of times. Not even hunting. Uh, working on these ranches where I do for work. Yeah. I'm on. I'm off a dozer. I may do maybe on a dozer one day. I might be on a weeder the next day, but same time, I'm still wearing snake boots because I'm hopping on and off. You don't know what you're going to turn over, what you're going to kick over, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and that's why I, I get them because I don't just use them for turkey hunting. I use them for work you know it's just some of the work like work boots you ain't going to find the most comfortable pair of work boots you can find and, and you're going to wear them because that's what pays your bills you know and that's mm-hmm. what i do with these and so far i've had them about about three months now and they've been very good they don't get me wrong they get a little warm in the summertime and all mm-hmm. like they're they're but the winter time i ain't got no problem they stay warm i ain't got with no cold feet so but uh yeah twisted x have, have, have definitely got my interest uh i may try some chippewas but I haven't got there yet. I'm going to go ahead and wear these out first. If they'll last me long enough, I'll be good with it, you know? Yeah. So. so. Well, oh, we, uh, I think we've covered a lot of stuff I wanted to cover and uh, just catch up on some stuff. And that's what I wanted to do and uh, just go over with you. And I, I think my little girl had knocked on the door a couple times, so I'm fixing to have to call this one because she, she uh, my youngest one's on. Um, about 19 months old and that's the little girl right. so you know that was that was the surprise because you know like I said earlier my boys are 9 and 7 she's year and a half well, what you're going to have big brothers take up for that's a good thing exactly they, like I said we stayed we stayed late last night on that uh, on that dirt track so my youngest one actually overslept big time so he got sleep into like 2 o'clock and I was like what like whenever I pulled up earlier I told you I was home or what not yeah. I come in my wife's like what's the boys doing I went in there my oldest one he's in there watching TV and my youngest one he's still over there asleep I walked in there I was like babe she's like yeah I said you're us babe are still conked out she's like oh my he, he's oh, gonna be up all night feeling good but he played so hard rolling up and down the hill last night he had him a little girlfriend or whatever at the racetrack and uh so 
he had a good fun night last night playing with the other kids and just wearing himself out. So I figured he just need to rest anyway, you know. Uh, dude, my my youngest one's like me. My youngest son, he's like me. Like he can stay up all night, and then like you know, he'll be up if you let him stay up. He'll stay up and like let him go to bed at midnight, and he'll be up at six o'clock, like knocking on the door. Hey, what are we going to do? Like he's up. <laughs> like, all right. And you're like me. Like he's he's three to five hours of sleep. He's good to go. My oldest one's like, why are you waking me up, dude? You're gonna <laughs> sleep for eight hours, but I could sleep longer. Like he's one of them that right. he, he loves his sleep. My youngest one's like, man, we'll sleep later. But um, we uh, I, I enjoyed uh the time. Give me just a second. I'm gonna bring this. Thank you for once again listening to Delta Lodge Outdoors podcast brought to you by Julius Craig. Please check out our YouTube station and um, Facebook page at Delta Lodge Outdoors. We're looking to bring y'all great content on all three bands. So this is this episode has its quirks, up and downs. Still learning how to run the system completely. Only I think the tenth one I've recorded. Not sure when it'll get dropped. It was recorded April third with Jake, so we're working on that. Once I get it figured out, we'll get it dropped. When I want to drop it, we'll get it dropped. But once again, thank y'all for listening. Big things coming, and hit that. Go to YouTube, hit the subscribe button. That's Delta Flage Outdoors. Thanks.